May the sound of this bell penetrate deeply into the cosmos. In even the darkest places, may living beings hear it clearly, so their suffering will cease, understanding arises in their hearts, and they can transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. With posture upright and stable, we are seated at the foot of the Bodhi tree. Body, speech, and mind are one in stillness. There is no more thought of right and wrong. Our mind and body dwell in perfect mindfulness. We rediscover our original nature, leaving the shore of illusion behind. Noble Sangha, diligently bring your mind into meditation. Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya In gratitude, we offer this incense throughout space and time to all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. May it be fragrant as Earth herself, reflecting careful awareness and the fruit of understanding slowly ripening. May we and all beings be companions of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. May we awaken from forgetfulness and realize our true home. Friends, please join me for a 10-minute meditation. The audio that follows is simply meant to drown out any ambient noise that may distract you from your meditation. If you would like to meditate in silence, please mute your device now.
Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa The Dharma is deep and lovely. We now have a chance to see, study, and practice it. We vow to realize its true meaning. Avalokiteshvara, while practicing deeply with the insight that brings us to the other shore, suddenly discovered that all of the five skandhas are equally empty, and with this realization he overcame all ill-being. Listen, Shariputra, this body itself is emptiness, and emptiness itself is this body. This body is not other than emptiness, and emptiness is not other than this body. The same is true with feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. Listen, Shariputra, all phenomena bear the mark of emptiness. Their true nature is the nature of no birth, no death, no being no non-being, no defilement, no purity, no increasing, no decreasing. That is why in emptiness, body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness are not separate self-entities. The eighteen realms of phenomena, which are the six sense organs, the six sense objects, and the six consciousnesses, are also not separate self-entities. The twelve links of interdependent arising and their extinction are also not separate self-entities. Ill-being, the causes of ill-being, the end of ill-being, the path, insight, and attainment are also not separate self-entities. Whoever can see this no longer needs to attain anything. Bodhisattvas who practice the insight that brings us to the other shore see no more obstacles in their mind, and because there are no more obstacles in their mind, they can overcome all fear, destroy all wrong perceptions, and realize perfect nirvana. All Buddhas in the past, present, and future, by practicing the insight that brings us to the other shore, are all capable of attaining authentic and perfect enlightenment. Therefore, Shariputra, it should be known that the insight that brings us to the other shore is a great mantra, the most illuminating mantra, the highest mantra, a mantra beyond compare, the true wisdom that has the power to put an end to all kinds of suffering. Therefore, let us proclaim a mantra to praise the insight that brings us to the other shore. Gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva So what do you think of that little uh, intro to the practice there? Very cool. I thought that was that same, that 
Uh, yeah, I, I would uh, much rather have Blaze's voice doing it. But, uh, yeah, I put all that together um, today, this afternoon, actually. So, I just had the, uh, the chanting from the heart book on my desk and went out and uh, sat in my truck and recorded and then came back in and put it on YouTube. It was just yeah. The audio. What do you think of the audio? That was very experimental. Yeah. I uh, I'll definitely be swapping out the audio, trying something a little more chill. But that was the the first experiment. I have it here in front of me. So I've been, um, you know, engaging with some people on discord outside of our group on Buddhism. And, uh, a lot of them have no concept of what even are the four noble truths. Like what are the basics, absolute basics of Buddhism? And they get into these, um, kind of like philosophical metaphysical conversations. Um, and then end up going through these infinite loops or these down these like unanswerable rabbit holes. And I think that that's uh, a bit of a tragedy in that that's not what Buddhism is about. And in so many of his teachings, Shakyamuni made it a point to say, there are certain things I'm not going to answer. They're just not part of Buddhism. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to ask unanswerable questions or uh, set up these metaphysical riddles. And so I wanted to, just in my own practice, go back to the basics and also to share it with our Sangha and to record this and um, put it in the podcast so that our guys who aren't with us right now can listen later on, you know, hopefully blaze will be listening to this, um, on his own time. And also just to have a very basic thing to share, uh, with anybody else who's interested. So the, Yeah, and I mean, for me, 
one one of the the saddest things that I see is when people feel like they need an answer to those unanswerable questions. And that's why they look to religion, because nothing else is answering the question for them of what happens after we die or is the universe infinite or whatever the the metaphysical question is. And then when they get into Buddhism, they uh, basically present it like, well, if Buddhism can't answer this question for me, then I'm out. I'm done with Buddhism. And uh, there's actually a sutra, I wish I had it pulled up, where there was a monk who said the same thing to Buddha. He said, hey, Buddha, if you can't tell me whether the universe is infinite or finite or, you know, all these other questions, then I'm dropping out of the Sangha. And Shakyamuni's answer was, when you became a monk, did I tell you that I was going to answer that for you? I never said that those were going to be the answers I would provide. And so when people don't get the answers they're looking for and then they get discouraged and then just go totally off course because they didn't get an answer to a question that they really don't need answered. You know, that's, that's another thing is that like when people have those kinds of questions, part of my response is how would that affect your practice? If, if there is an afterlife or not an afterlife, or if we know that this planet is someday going to be consumed by our own sun when it goes supernova, how does that affect your daily decisions? How is that going to make you more or less of a jerk to the next person you talk to? Because if it's not affecting your daily decisions, then it's not influencing your current experience. And if it's not part of your experience, then why does it matter? So, yeah, those those are, are my points.
Yeah, I do. I, I have it right here. So this is the uh, Buddha's first uh, discourse after his enlightenment. And I like to start with this one because it's like this is the just chronologically in the story. Um, this is the thing that Buddha wants to communicate first and foremost. And I've read some uh, commentary that um, that this is all of Buddha's teaching is right here in his first sermon and everything that he does for the rest of his life is just rephrasing this, finding more metaphors to get people to understand this. So this is it. This is like the thing. And then everything else is just how, how many different ways do we have to put it for people to get this thing? So anytime I need to kind of hit the reset button on my own practice and come back to the basics and just start over, start from the beginning, uh, this is where I always go to. So this is setting the wheel of Dharma in motion uh, from the SN5611. So it, the sutra starts... I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was staying near uh, Deer Park in Isipatana. There he addressed a group of five monks. There are these two extremes not to be indulged in by one who has gone forth. That which is devoted to sensual pleasure and that which is devoted to self-affliction. Avoiding both of these extremes, the middle way realized by the Tathagata, producing vision and knowledge, leads to stilling to direct knowledge, to self-awakening, and to liberation. So what is in the middle way? 
what is in the middle way realized by the Tathagata producing vision and knowledge that leads to stilling and liberation, it is precisely the eightfold path. Right view, right resolve, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Now this is the noble truth of suffering. And before I, I go further, this, uh, this translation uses an interesting word for uh, dukkha, um, which is suffering, but in most places translated as suffering. Uh, this translator has translated it as stress, which I think is really cool because when people talk about, you know, Buddhism ending suffering, but then they also know that for the rest of their lives, they're going to suffer a headache. You stub your toe, it's going to hurt. Your loved ones die, you're going to suffer. So you're going to have suffering all your life. So what's the point of Buddhism if it doesn't end all suffering? And there are metaphors because this same uh, communication problem must have existed in Buddha's time because there were meta there's the metaphor of the two arrows. So one is the arrow of the events. You know, you get struck with an arrow and you're in pain, you're in physical pain. Uh, the other arrow is the extra mental and emotional pain that we suffer that we don't have to. And it's that avoidable suffering that Buddhism seeks to alleviate and to put an end to. And I think that in our modern society, we understand stress just like that. Yeah, you might be in a situation that sucks, but you don't have to be stressed out about it. Like that is something that people will understand even if they have absolutely no introduction to Buddhism. Like there are all kinds of situations that we've all been through where, okay, I'm here, but I don't have to be stressed about it. And that the, the translator shifting that and bringing our modern idea of stress into the sutra, I think is really powerful because it connects to people's lived experience even if they know nothing about Buddhism and if they've never practiced it, never heard anything about it before. So these four noble truths, these truths of suffering are here translated as the noble truths of stress. Now this monk is the noble truth of stress. Birth is stressful. Aging is stressful. Death is stressful. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress, and despair are stressful. Association with the unloved is stressful. Separation from the beloved is stressful. Not getting what is wanted is stressful. In short, the five clinging aggregates are stressful. And this, monks, is the noble truth of the origination of stress. The craving that makes for further becoming accompanied by passion and delight, relishing now here, now there, craving for sensuality, craving for becoming, craving for non-becoming, and this, monks, is the noble truth of the cessation of stress, the remainderless fading and cessation, renunciation, relinquishment, release, and letting go of that very craving. And this, monks, is the noble truth of the way of practice leading to the cessation of stress, precisely this noble eightfold path, right view, right resolve, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So, the rest of the 
Sutra goes on to do in its uh, classic, very repetitive way of, you know, saying that when I had this realization, this vision arose, and when I had this vision, this insight arose, and so on. Um, and the, the point of the whole rest of the sutra is the Buddha is saying that if he didn't experience these things, he wouldn't be talking about them. So, again, that connection to the actual lived experience is the uh, capstone of this sutra. Mentioned the four 
Yeah. So, so that skirmish, and uh, and I've just been like, like today is when I made that social media post. And it was today or yesterday. So I'm just recently. It was just fresh in my mind, and I was trying to use the term the middle way. I don't know, man. I just like get lost in trying to express these ideas, and then I realized. Ah, that idea is shallow and facet anyway, dude. You're just doing it for attention for your business anyway. So who cares? Uh, just post happy trying to the weirdos, you know? <laughs> That's what I normally do. And I'll tell someone else, this is my heart. And she's going to leave. It's also three, like, three or four paragraphs long, and people are just trying to scroll through. So, you know, yeah. and I'll just post something stupid. But yeah, man, that, that, that's been fresh in my mind. And um, that, that was... That was a, a good reminder that I need. I, I catch myself teaching people about Buddhism all the time, and the hell am I? I couldn't even remember that. That <laughs> made me feel bad. But good at the same time. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I like the uh, you know the whole coming back and starting over and just find. For me, this is what I build my practice around. Is to, I just start at the beginning, and any time I get distracted overwhelmed or down some rabbit hole or you know whatever just come back to what for me is the the beginning and for me that's this sutra and like i said um you know he spent his whole life just rephrasing this and teaching it in different ways and different metaphors but it's all the same teaching and even this own this sutra within itself is you know it's all in the first paragraph the first paragraph says it's the middle way and the middle way includes the four noble truths and the eightfold path so it's all the middle way it's all the middle way just repeated over and over and expounded and explained uh but this is this is what it all comes down to and if you have some you know some kind of metaphysical question or whatever that isn't answered very quickly and very simply by the basics of buddhism then it's probably not something that's worth spending a lot of time on um there was one thing that you mentioned about uh good vibes like is you know does does buddha say anything about putting out good vibes and there are some uh plenty of sutras that start with uh, uh, talking about intention as the first part of karma. So I don't know if that's something that you would count as generating good vibes is generating positive intention, but that's also part of the eightfold path. Um, the translation, some of the words here are a little different in the eightfold path than the one that I'm used to, but um, the eightfold path that I just read was right view right resolve, right speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Um, what here is called right resolve, I, I've often heard is right intention. So having the right view and having the right intent, um, I don't know how much that, that to me sets, you, sets your vibe. That defines what your vibe is going to be. The way you view the world and what you intend to do about it, that's, that's like the, the foundation right there. So I think that even some of those things that may sound a little kind of out there or esoteric, if you really thoroughly apply each part of the Four Noble Truths and each part of the Eightfold Path, 
you'll probably find what you're looking for in there. Yeah, I, I don't know. You made that statement, dude, about how like if it doesn't, if, if, if that small process of the Buddhism teaching can't help you feel some resolve to the the question, probably both. You know, like that's honestly, dude. Wow, how I how I measure whether or not some spiritual or kooky hippie concept is even worth my time and attention. I don't want to invest much faith in the random thing. And I really don't like to like have to filter a bunch of nonsense ideas and beliefs through my head when it comes to uh, my philosophy and how I really feel about stuff. I, I learned in the past of listening to a lot of like when we were in uh, Fente programs, dude, like having to listen to all the, the Protestant stuff, like almost out of anger said Protestant nonsense, dude. Like it, it, that's what came out of me. Um, and those were the answers that I started providing myself with in my own inside practice um, for, for what? Like, why? It's just because it was going in my head. It was polluting me. It was actually giving me, uh, you know, a false sense of self and a false sense of self-understanding. Like, I wasn't satisfied with those answers. That wasn't from me. That was the crap that I was hearing. So, I don't invest much faith in a lot of other things, dude. And if I can't apply that to it, or I can't find uh, the notion of any of the spiritual applied to it, I really don't like to hold on to these ideas. Like, even silly stories, dude, I'd rather remember all about some stupid fictional cartoon character than some conceptual pagan deity of some sort that has some practice to worship a head. Like, now, I mean, like, because that'll, I don't know, I, if, if, if it doesn't hold that truth, I feel judgmental with it. That's what I was going with. Well, I sometimes am an asshole about things like that. Like, I will break them down with Buddhism. Um, looking for signs of a genuine, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, absolute Buddhist philosophy behind it, because I feel like traditional Buddhism is very absolute, cut dry. And I guess that's where it all comes from, like, understanding philosophy, like, uh, you know, just look at the Four Noble Truths in a real basic way. That there's no arguing that. I don't, I don't care. Right. Try to bring up a deep on top of that or some other philosophy aside from that. And what's, what's the fucking point? That's aside from the point. This is a good, healthy point that we have to deal with every day. Folks, <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know I mean? like, why ask the question now when we have something right in front of us? We have something to focus on. Put this energy out. Let's worry about making this better. Yeah.
Trinity ceremonies and stuff like that. Uh, you got stories to tell. There was a sense of joy and pleasure that was cultivated in that. But we all know there's not uh, the sensation of suffering or just the opposite of suffering. And in its absence, we typically find suffering before we find uh, resolve from that through there. So I don't know. I just feel like Buddhism has given me a lot of ways to tear a traditional Buddhism at its core. It's given me a lot of ways to tear apart a lot of other spiritual philosophies. It's been a bit of an asshole at times uh, when I think about it. But I've, it's also helped me stay on a real genuine path and not get into a lot of silly stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm still all about the theatrics and uh, the dramatic approach and some of the really beautiful stuff that you find in a lot of other different spiritual practices. But at my heart's core, as a Buddhist, my whole thing is maintain my behavior and myself to be a benefit to my community and self is a means of getting rid of some of that stress, I guess. Just and, uh, make clear on Buddhist words. I like that, though. It, it's very true. Whoever made that statement that you read, that you shared, the Buddha, that, that is like the entirety of the teaching. You told me this before everybody. I guess it's like a truth that we know. But uh, that's really cool to think about. Like literally book and book everywhere, dude. But it's just this man trying to speak to different people on a different day at a different time about the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that actually was in a, a sutra. It was part of the Buddha's dying words uh, when somebody asked him about like what should, you know, Basically, they're asking him to reflect on his life's work. And um, as he's laying there dying, he says, this whole time, I've only been giving you one teaching. So it's that's yeah, he that's, himself puts it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is what he said. Um, I forgot that as well. Man, I need to hear back and study. I've read a few things, but I went immediately for the more uh, pure, uh, the only crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I,
yeah. uh, they're noble. Yeah. Now, and uh, yeah, so like I said, even if Twitter's look different, even if uh, I, I'd probably be praying to do that, that he's the ass as long as he has those things to fix. I'm glad the man wasn't an ass. But, um, but it didn't require that. <laughs> so, no prayer whatsoever. Uh, wrapping this up, what are we going to do next time? Are you going to you going to bring something to read? Yeah, I definitely will. And it'll be some random obscure crap that I just recently first myself in. So I won't feel so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've been reading. <laughs> no, man, I really appreciate what you brought. It served as a reminder for me. It's really resonated with a lot of crap that I've been thinking lately. And just bringing up the fact that the middle way came before the approach of the, the words of the four noble truths in my mind. Something like that. Thank you. 
So I'm going to uh, do the little uh, sharing the merit thing and then uh, close out. Reciting the sutras, practicing the way of awareness, gives rise to benefits without limits. We vow to share the fruits with all beings. We vow to offer tribute to parents, teachers, friends, and numerous beings who give guidance and support along the path.